Yo, 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 what is up? It is a beautiful Saturday, 2.36 p.m. I'm here on U Stadium with my guy, Frank. This is Snacks and Sunny. What's up, Frank? What's up, baby? How you doing, my guy? What's up, baby? What's, what's the deal? How's Nothing life? much. Nothing much. You were right, man. You told me. You told me not to go against the rings, man. I told you about Nikki Saban, baby. It's St. Nick. And speaking of St. Nick, we have SantaCon going on in New York City right now. So it's not a beautiful Saturday in New York City. It's raining and a bunch of young, drunk morons in Santa suits running around. They delayed the subways for like two hours, but that's uh Yeah, but you can't tell me it's not good to see people back, back enjoying the city, getting outside. We missed that for a little bit. Oh, no, that's the best part, man. That's if, if the city didn't have that, there's no point of living here. So, I mean, All right. I'm glad you agree, at least. But, yeah, so I was right. I told you Alabama was going to win. I told you about Bryce Young, most uh, overlooked, I would say, star in college sports. I think he's amazing. Um, yeah, man, you'll learn one day. When you get a little older, you know, I'm in my 30s now, man. I, you know, you're still oh, in college. God. So when you get older, you'll start to see things. Start yeah, to see into the, the future. The picture will start to fall into place. <laughs> so I'm excited for Bryce Young because I always like when a player that gets talked about in Heisman isn't in the draft this upcoming year. Obviously, he has to wait another year until he's eligible, and I love that because now he has so much attention and chip on his shoulder coming into Bama. And I just I'm so excited to watch him play again next year because what he's doing this year, let alone he's going to improve and keep getting better. And I just can't wait to see where he goes and what team ends up tanking for him because that's just how the NFL works nowadays. You think he's going to go up first overall? When he comes out, he's going to be clear-cut number one pick, or we still have to let the process play I mean, we got to let the process play out a little bit just because someone else, like nothing to do with him, someone else could have a Joe Burrow-type season where he just completely comes out of nowhere and just does something crazy. So I don't want to say he'll be the lock number one pick. But, I mean, after this year, if he does it again next year, it'd be hard not to see him go in top three. Yeah, man. His arm is, is, is explosive. I mean, he puts the ball wherever he wants. He can, he can move around the pocket. He's really – he reminds me a little bit of, uh, of Russell Wilson, someone I know we're going to talk about a little bit later, but got some, uh, some similarities there. I even think he might even have a better arm in a weird way than Russell Wilson. Um, but, yeah, that kid's special. And you see Alabama now, they're starting to open things up with their offense and their passing game from Mac Jones – uh, now we're seeing this with Bryce Young. Um, the days of uh, of our guy Greg McElroy and Co. and and the, you know the, those kind of quarterbacks. I don't think Alabama's interested in those guys anymore. So, no, nah, no, nah, they're only, they're only playing Hoopers now. I love <laughs> Kenny Pickett. Can we, we need to talk about that. But I, I need to talk That's about one, th- yeah. But there's one thing I need to say. He did the move one time, and now he's out here tweeting like, "Oh, game changer! Oh, rule breaker!" Like, as if they just changed the rules. Like, I love the kid. He's awesome. He's so fun to watch. That play was incredible, obviously, to win the ACC title. Like, that was an incredible play. But as I hope everyone understands, them changing the rule is a good thing. As we see here, watch the defenders. They stop to tackle him when he goes down. (laughs) And in terms of the safety of the game, like, that can't happen. You have to have that rule in place because if the defenders aren't able to hit him while he's sliding, that means they're obviously not going to go for him if he pretends to slide. And especially in college where they're even more concerned about player safety, that rule had to be put in place. It was so cool. But Kenny Pickett, you did it one time, buddy. Like, like you literally did it once. And you, they did not change the rule just <laughs> because of you. How slow is that defense? They really can't catch him? What the hell is going on over there? Well, they all they stopped. Sort of, they all stopped. What's Wake doing? They all stopped running. Ridiculous. They and get, even the, at this point, though, how fast is Kenny Pickett, though? Guy dude, he, was, he never stopped, bro. He was moving. That's unbelievable. He was flying. Look at him. 
kiss the sky too oh my god <laughs> but yeah no he he was pretty electric to watch i'm interested who's gonna take the trophy home i mean yeah man it's gonna be interesting this year i think i've just you know uh, if way alabama's playing now man i mean is there any chance that he uh or, or they don't come out and just what they're gonna play cincinnati i feel like that spread i think what is it 13 and a half they're gonna take him out and then We'll see. Maybe we have a rematch of, of, of last week's game. That'd be kind of cool. I would like to see that game again. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm rolling with Bama. I'm not doubting them again. I'm not doubting Saban. I'm going Bama all the way. And anyone who disagrees, just talk to the rings. Uh, I'm not making that mistake again. But, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. There's a lot going on tonight. As you know, we, we got a little UFC. You got a little UFC coming on. And before we get to him, I need to just mention this man I'm about to bring on. This is my friend, my good friend, Sam. This is a UFC genius. The man sees the game different. I'm excited to bring him on. Welcome, Sam. I highly doubt, I highly doubt that. Sam, are you really a genius? What do you, what do you know that, that, about UFC, man? I want to I hear. What qualifies you as a genius? Sam. See? He's there we go. Look, Look at him. Look at that there man. There he is. <laughs> that is a UFC genius right there. There we go. There we go. <laughs> All right, you're in. I, I'm All right, so who's winning the fight tonight? Those all-inclusive resorts don't have good Wi-Fi, man. I, I, yeah, that's the so UM campus, baby. <laughs> All right, this man's got to go get some better Wi-Fi. What is he doing? We're trying to break down some UFC. Sam, you there? Yeah, we'll connect. All right, we lost him. We lost him. We'll figure him out. But big fight tonight, Pure versus Oliveira. Are you a UFC fan, Frankie, at all? I mean, listen, if there's a good fight, I enjoy watching it. I won't lie. Um, but uh, I don't really follow all that much. I mean, I won't lie. I got into UFC a bit when Conor was in his in his heyday. So, uh, But I, I, I want to watch his fight. I think, I think it's going to be good. I don't think Poirier is a, a clear-cut favorite. I know he is with, with Vegas, but I could, see, I could see him losing. I mean, Poirier's lost, what, eight fights in his career? So... It's not that he's untouchable, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah, no, I love UFC, and I talked about this before when Snacks was on, but it's such a fun game to play here at a college environment because we play all these matchups every single night of the week, and then Saturday, Dana White puts one of them together, and we get to watch him fight in real life. So I can't wait to see this happen. I mean, and there's a bunch of insane fights tonight, and it's a shame because I wanted to wait for Sam to break him down, but it seems like his Wi-Fi is not up to par right now with uh, – what we need to get from the UFC genius himself, but that's all good. We could come back to some of that in a little bit. Um, but moving on for now. So you got the Russell Wilson trade rumors, all right? And the crazy thing about that is someone leaks it, some NFL insider, same as it always is. But then you hear Russell Wilson come out and say that it's not necessarily true and that that's not on his mind at all. What do you think about the Russell Wilson trade rumors? This has been a thing for now two or three seasons. Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, I think there's a lot of legitimacy to it, um, and I don't. Th and I think you can look as as uh, as recent as the way he's been playing as of the last few weeks, and that gives you indication as to what he wants and where he's thinking. I don't think Russell Wilson's trying as hard as he usually does. I don't think he's putting in the time. I don't think he's putting in the effort that we've seen traditionally from him. I feel like he is. Uh, kind of playing his way out and it just could be something where he just doesn't care as much anymore and he's checked out of Seattle 
And you can tell by the way he's been playing. I don't remember Russell Wilson playing like this. Just it seems uninspired. Uh, he seems uninspired. I don't remember the last time I've, you know, seen Russell Wilson um, play like this. So I think he's playing himself out, honestly. And and I know there's an injury there, but he's not excited. He doesn't seem to really care as much as I remember. Um, as much as we all remember Russell Wilson by, he's he's a very like like energetic kind of quarterback and i just don't see it anymore so like, yeah i, I, I mean yeah. i, I want to be clear like i i don't agree in the sense that i don't he's not having that bad of a year statistically but what, what you were saying is true the energy russell wilson the guy who's escaping the pocket running around three defenders and launching it up to lock it i mean we saw it do it a few times obviously but those plays just haven't been there this season in compared to the past few years and especially the super bowl years but if you look at his stats on the year I mean, 67% completion percentage, that's his third best of his career. 2,000 yards, 14 touchdowns, and four picks. The issue is, like you said, it's been nine games, and that's not enough production, it's not enough volume. And I love Russell Wilson, but I mean, maybe he has missed a few, obviously, but maybe he is on the downward, and maybe he's done in Seattle. I mean, it'd be such a shame to see that era come to an end, such a fun time with the Legion of Boom and Marshawn Lynch and everything they provided us in those Super Bowls, but it really might be over for Russell Wilson in Seattle. Yeah, that team, and they don't have, they don't really have anything to really look forward to. I would say. I mean, they've done a bunch of bad deals. One of which is the Jamal Adams trade, which is really freaking benefiting us as Jet fans. Um, we'll have, I think, two top ten picks. Damn right, kid. Yes, sir. Salute. But yeah, man, like you know, their the, the, their future doesn't look as bright as it did, you know, five years ago when they were you know, post Legion of Boone, and they seem to have some pieces there. Now it just seems very stale. Um, I can see Russell Wilson, some team trading a, a King's ransom for him, going to the Giants, as we've seen, or Denver, I think, was another team rumored there. Um, but, yeah, I could see him getting on out of there. And, yeah, listen, Wilson's been around for a while. I mean, he's not a, he's not a you know, spring chicken anymore, so. Yeah, I mean, and you talked about what was just on the screen. They don't even own their first-round pick. When you're a team that makes a trade that is so obviously a win-now mode trade to try to give Russell Wilson a little more defensive support going into the se- like two seasons ago, like when you make a move like that and then you don't perform on the field, what that leaves you with is a, a bad team and no way to improve it through the draft and no way to improve it through free agency because you're tied up so much money into players that aren't performing. So, I mean, you really... That's why people have to be careful when they call out for owners to make deals. We see it in basketball so much. We see it in all these sports. But just because an owner goes out and gets a guy in a win-now mode, it might be worth it in terms of, okay, they were active. They didn't just sit on their ass. But that being said, in three years on the line, if that win-now move didn't end up being a great move, then you're you're kind of in a bad situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're going you're gonna to mortgage some of your future and you're going to have to figure out how you're going to win now. And if you're not winning now like they're not, they're 4-8 and eight, Seattle, I mean, wh- wh- where do you go from here? So um, they're in a very interesting spot. By the way, uh, Sonny, I don't know, are you hearing feedback when I'm uh, – I don't know if, you, if I'm talking, do I – okay, yeah. Yeah, there might be some feedback on your end, but it's fine. We have, uh, we have, we have big boy Sam over here, so – Sam is back. Sam is back, baby. Let's go. Sam is back. Bring him in. Bring him in. Bring him in. Bring him in, Splash. Bring him in. Let's see. There he is. There we go. What is up, baby? There we go. We got the Wi-Fi connection. So, who's winning (laughs) the big fight tonight, Sam? What do we got? Welcome to a first world country, Sam. There we go. Come on, man. (laughs) Yeah. No. Thank you very much. No, glad to be on the show. I'm 
finally I've been on Sunday every week to get me on so it's finally good to be on but um yeah it's a different call I'm huge fight for both these guys I'm really strange one for Oliveira coming into this fight as a as an underdog despite being the champ so I love Oliveira he's got so many weapons in his arsenal finish a fight you know he can submit you he can go with the hands he can take points he can do it all but Poirier for me is a level above I think I'm really really high on Poirier at the moment uh, we get those fights with McGregor were brutal I'm I, I think Poirier <laughs> takes the fight tonight I think he takes the fight tonight okay you're gonna watch it at home with us right certainly I'm certainly I'm all right we going crazy it. all right all right <laughs> Wait, but that might not have been the best fight of the night. We got Nunez also. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of great fights. I mean, especially with Amanda, um, I do believe that um, if Amanda's fighting, Amanda's winning. There's no one in that division that touches, touches Amanda for me. Um, she's probably the best ever do it in the female, any of the female divisions. Um, so she's going to win, but it's always fun to watch her. Um, she's incredible at what she does. Um, it's a great card, actually. It's a really great card. There's yeah. a lot to be excited about. No, she reminds me of uh, watching Prime Ronda Rousey, where you weren't even you didn't even care who she was fighting. You were just looking at the clock and how quickly yeah. she would knock her out. <laughs> it's so fun to watch. That's and, exactly, exactly. And we got my one of my personal favorite fighters, Sean O'Malley. That should be a great fight too. And can you explain to me one thing, Sam? Because I know not only as the yep. UFC genius, you also are, have the behind the scenes knowledge as the the wanting to be agent. Why do the UFC and boxing keep scheduling big fights on the same night? What would be any explanation it's, for it? it? It's a tough one. I mean, I think the, the biggest clash we've had recently was a, a couple of weeks ago. We had Canelo and Usman fighting on the same night. Exactly. Um, it's a really strange one. I don't know, particularly for the boxing promoters. I mean, you've got 365 days of the year to put those fights on. Um, whereas the UFC, you know you're only going to have a big card maybe once a month. You know you just you should just be blind that weekend. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's a, an arrogance thing. Maybe you want to think, oh, we can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the UFC or the UFC think we can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Canelo. Uh, I don't know how the numbers came out of that. I, that but, has to be yeah, what it is, I, though, I, because you see, the guy tweeting on, you see the guy tweeting on his phone. He's like, oh, because people were calling out, delay the boxing fight delay the main event for the Usman fight and he was like we're not delaying shit like we're fighting we have a boxing yeah. fight like we're boxing their UFC so fun so yeah fun. I don't I honestly don't get it I don't get it but I know it's a great some great boxing fights on today as well I'm I'm really looking forward to Lomachenko tonight hopefully be able to get that on the laptop while we've got the UFC on the TV so there's a lot a lot looked forward to tonight Last thing yeah. that. Oh yeah, sorry, Frank. You. No, I was just, I just want to say, what is the chance that uh, this this Poirier loses tonight? If you had to say, is there like any legitimate shot that this the uh, this this Brazilian fighter beats him? What's what's the deal? I think it's it's a very close fight. It's a very close yeah. fight. There's there is a, a very good chance that Poirier could lose this. I um, I mean, the, you look at the fight where Oliveira won the belt uh, against Michael Chandler, and he was in trouble. Like Oliveira, I thought he was done. I thought he was up against Cage. He was, Chandler was just landing. I thought it was game over. And he's going to be put in that same situation tonight. <laughs> Poirier is going to be throwing. Poirier is going to be backing him up. And he came out of that. Like, he turned that fight on his head in the flick of a switch. And he can do that, Oliveira. He's definitely, I would say, if if you're a betting man, the smart money would be on Oliveira because he's the underdog, despite being the champ. He's a but big underdog, actually. I think, yeah, yeah, it's, just, it's pretty sizable. Okay. Uh, and it's... But yeah, especially if Sam. I'm saying the Porter's going to win, I'm usually wrong about these things. So, Sam, uh, speaking of things you're wrong on, 
Explain to me the logic behind the 20 game parlay or the 20 pick parlay. Explain to me that. <laughs> okay, so the every weekend I would do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. at least like a minimum 18, 18 fights. Um, today it was parlays. Been, what happened to a straight bet? <laughs> I didn't even know they had 18 Parlays. fights in a year. I don't know how you find <laughs> this. This I'm telling you, this is the only kid he picks. Ev when I'm talking about the under undercard, the basement card, like the card below the basement yep. card, this kid is bu the betting on them. He picks the street fighting cards. You yeah, know? exactly, <laughs> bro. He's fighting on the he's fighting on the literal the stray cats in the alley. <laughs> And no, they're always a lock. They're always a it, lock. And it's yeah. always a lock. It's always boys. It's I got a lock tonight. A... Boys, I got a lock tonight. Have you won? Have you won I mean, any of these big parlays, Sam? Yes. A couple of them. Not not enough of them. Not enough of them. But a couple of them. I mean, uh, if you my... win one of those, it's, it's, that's enough. Those. That's crazy. Well, this is. The, I really wish it was because like the money that I actually win is nowhere near enough to merit how much I'm going to be losing. Like how many losses I've taken oh. a week yeah, by yeah. week, the demoralizing losses. And the worst thing is my twentyfold that you're talking about this weekend, Sonny. Is is actually already done. It's finished. Second what? Fight, the undercard undercard has already lost. The second fight on my parlay lost. Um so yeah, there we go. It's don't don't do weekend. parlays. Do straight that means Poirier is gonna lose tonight because because of that. I'm that, feeling oh, it. Oh I definitely nice. just don't listen to me. That's that's the main takeaway from that. As soon as Sonny said I was a genius, I was like, oh no. No, that that's the funniest part about the parlays though, because especially those big ones, because you do it for like you can either be out at 10 a.m. this morning on the pre-card fight, or it could last you all the way into the night. It's the last fight. Uh, absolutely, well, absolutely. Well, Sam, we, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, if anything you want to say, make one last prediction. So give me just who's winning the show. You going with all the big names, Sean O'Malley, Nunez, and Puree? I think for me, the only real locks on the card are definitely Amanda Nunez and Sean O'Malley. Um, I'm going for Poirier, as I say. Um, yeah, I'm going for the big names. I think it's going to be, that's what everyone wants. It's what all the fans want to see is the big names. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a big upset. Um, probably in that, you know, the title fight on the, the main fight. I think that could be your big upset. All right. Sounds good, Sam. Appreciate you for coming on. Uh, no, I'm thanks for having you me. when you get back and uh, watch the fight tonight. It'll be a good Sam, night. I'm coming. I'm going to be in Miami, by the way, next week, guys. So if you, uh, you guys have any parties that you'd like to invite me to, I mean, I'm Definitely. Not that old. Yeah, we'll come see 731. <laughs> brilliant. No, I'm going to be in Miami, though. Maybe, maybe I'll catch you down there, Sam. Great meeting you, man. Thanks for coming on. Definitely. 100%. Nice to meet you guys. Later, All right. Man. Peace, Sam. See ya. All right. So that was Sam. He's awesome. Got to do some UFC talk for my fans out there. Hope people enjoyed that. Let's get back into fight with them later. Yeah, yeah. We'll watch the fight later. Yeah. Nice. That's Let's the kind of guy you want around to watch the fight because oh. he knows a lot about it and you just get like firsthand oh, 100%. knowledge. 100%. Yeah. No joke. Every guy in the room, like he sits in the middle of the room, everyone at random times. What's his record? What did he do in last fight? Have they <laughs> fought before? Is this a rematch? He'll tell you everything. But yeah. So let's get right back into it. We were in some NFL. We were right in the middle of it. So you have to explain to me something because I watched this entire game. And I've never seen anything like it. I mean, in the, in the, and I'm talking about, obviously, Buffalo versus the Patriots. And, and Mac Jones throws three passes, completes two. Like, I, I've never seen that before in my life. I was watching the game, and my, my roommate, Evan, falls asleep in the first quarter when Mac Jones had one pass attempt, right? <laughs> now, no joke, 45 minutes goes by. 
he wakes up, and I'm like, guess what, Evan? Mac Jones has the same pass attempts as when you fell asleep in the first quarter. And he was like, no way. And I was like, I swear. How did that happen? How did they win? All right. This is the thing with that game, and I think a lot of people are, are, are discussing this game, and they're trying to uh, give, I would say, Belichick a ton of credit for the win. I don't think that game shows any indication of much. I think outside of that Damian Harris run, I mean, no one really, nothing happened the entire game. I mean, even Stevenson, who people, you know, I thought had a good game. He had what three? He averaged three three point two yards a carry. So it wasn't like really anything happened in that game. The game was an anomaly. Um, I think the Bills are, are 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 ridiculous for not running the ball more and throwing the ball thirty times. Josh Allen had thirty pass attempts. I mean, if there's one thing is that Coach McDermott, if he doesn't figure out what he's doing with that team over the next year or so, their window's gonna close. I mean. You're going to have to pay guys, and, you know, you brought in digs, and you had a nice season. I mean, how long is this going to last? Um, and we could talk We could talk more about Buffalo, but I just think, like, there's just something off with that team. I don't know what it is, but um, I yeah. don't know. They, they, they need something. I, I, I can't put my finger on it, though. 100%. It's been the same thing off with them the past three years that has seen them be a top seed in the, in the AFC every year, and then something happens through the end of the stretch or they can't perform in the big game or – they lose a key guy to injury, which did happen this year with Trey White. Something happens, and I mean, we'll see how they perform down the stretch, but I, I just think, I mean, I don't know what it is. You, you keep doing something, but in terms of that game specifically, like I can't get on them too much because of the fact that if you have a team run it on every single play, that limits your offense so much if the defense can't stop them. But in terms of, um, in terms of Buffalo overall, I mean, they have to figure this out. Like you say, they really don't have that much more of a window because – now, let me be clear. I'm not saying Josh Allen as a whole. He's a very young quarterback. He's incredible. He'll have many chances down the line. But in terms of if that's going to be in Buffalo under Sean McDermott, that's not promised. And he's been there for, what, five years now? I could be wrong. He's been there for a little bit now. And they still haven't done, made, won a big game. So they're going to have to figure something out. Yeah, I mean, I would say this. I wouldn't get loose faith in the Buffalo Bills uh, system and, and what they're doing. And, yeah, it's year four. Um I just think that they need to establish some sort of uh, consistent offense. I mean, they're just, they're just not consistent. If Josh Allen's going around and, and, and running and gunning and guys find their way open, Diggs and Beasley and, and a couple and maybe Dawson Knox here and there, they have a big night. If they don't, then they just play to whatever their competition is. They have talent. They have a nice uh, defense. They have a decent offensive line. They can really play with anyone. It's just are they on or are they off? And – you're not going to be on for five games in a row to end the season and then win a Super Bowl necessarily. It doesn't happen like that. So on your off day, you need to make sure you're going to be competitive against a really good team. Um, and they're they're showing now that if they're off, they're not able to compete with the top teams in, in the NFL, and you're not going to win a Super Bowl like that. Um, I think in the offseason, Buffalo is definitely going to have to address their running game um, that those guys just aren't good enough. Zach Moss and Singletary just aren't getting the job. There's a reason why they're using Breida now. No one even wanted Breida in the offseason, although I wanted the Jets to get Breida for the record. But um, that was a weird signing I wanted for a while. But um, with that being said, I just don't understand. Like, all right, if you take the Patriots and the Bills, right, 
this game, the Patriots, they play within five yards anyway. Matt Jones hasn't thrown a pass over 20 yards all season, I feel like. So it's like they play within those boundaries. They're creative. And then when you have a game where the wins are stacked up the way they were, you're going to keep everything close. That game was was tailor-made for them. Um, And I just think – to, to to judge the Bills or the Patriots based on those conditions in that game, I don't really take much from it. I saw way too many people trying to analyze the hell out of it. It's, come on. Dude, you got to feel bad for Leslie Frazier. How do you have to game plan one night for a team that throws literally three passes, and then the next game you have to game plan for Tom Brady, who's throwing <laughs> over 50 passes a game? Like, Leslie Frazier is sitting in the office right now like, oh, my God. Like, how do I get this defense who couldn't stop a team who they knew were running the ball on every play to stop the GOAT with the craziest weapons in the league? I mean, I'm scared for Buffalo this week. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I actually think Tampa's going to come in and actually run the ball. I think they're going to do what New England did. I just have a weird feeling like Leslie's going to game plan against Brady and watch him come in and just feed the hell out of Fournette and Ronald. I mean, I have Lenny in fantasy, so I wouldn't complain. (laughs) Don't get me started about Lenny. He's good, man. He's good. He's he's good at the end of seasons, too. We're talking about Fournette, obviously. But, yeah, Fournette's nice, man. He's a good player. I think think they need to use Ronald Jones a bit more, though. I I like Ronnie. I'm a big Ronnie guy. Um, but right. yeah, that thing, that thing with Tampa, you can either feed Jones or Fournette, and then Brady has his weapons. You don't know who's getting the ball. They're so creative in how they, you know, d- distribute the football. It's they're impossible to guard. That's why they're the favorites to to win the Super Bowl. And Brady's a favorite to win MVP yet again. Yeah, and the the really wild card factor in there that you see almost getting to the point where it's not a wild card is is Gronk. Like the dude, like well, I'll call it what it is. He cannot do 80% of the things on the football field that he used to do. But that 20% in the red zone, he is still elite at being elite in the red zone. Like He is that guy, and him and Brady have that chemistry. Him being able to catch two touchdown passes on literally two catches, and that's it for the game, Like that adds such a dangerous ability to this offense in a team that not necessarily struggled in the red zone, but has been trying to find which, who's going to be the guy. If Gronk can be healthy down the stretch, too, it just makes things so much more dangerous. And it's just such a – I'm so envious of the Buccaneers franchise because it just seems like they have so much fun and everything's in great place with the coach, from the coaching to the players on both sides of the ball. I mean, that's a dream scenario. And they play in Florida. I mean, they must be having fun playing football right now. Hell, yeah, man. They set that entire team up from the beginning. I mean, they 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 wanted Arians to be there with Brady. They wanted to make sure Gronk was coming in. They just set that whole thing up, and it, it's working out great. I mean, they won a Super Bowl already, and they're the favorites this year to win another one. So, um, so you talk about the, maybe the best situation in the league for any player. And now let's talk about news that came out again this morning, which is probably the exact opposite, the worst situation for any player down in Jacksonville. And the funniest part to me about it, before we even get into anything that happened with uh, anything with anything that happened at all with Urban Meyer, we got to talk about the fact that in the off season, we have and before the draft, we have to remember people saying, "Don't let Trevor go to the Jets; they're too dysfunctional. Don't let him go to New York; it'll ruin his career." As if he's going to be fine in Jacksonville. This is five times worse than anything that would be happening in New York. Yeah, it's crazy. I still believe in Urban Meyer. I will say that. I know you think I'm nuts. I I, I, I have faith in Urban. I, I don't care. I, I'm 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 not. 
I'm a Tebow fanboy. I was a Florida fanboy for a while. I, I got to stick with my guns. I still trust Urban Meyer. We, we, all right, we interviewed or I interviewed a guy named Clay Rittenhouse. Um, he was a safety for Urban Meyer, a walk-on. He goes, listen, Urban Meyer is an amazing guy, an amazing head coach. He runs his team like a business. He's CEO 101. He'll be fine. Ratterman, Ratterman. Sorry, I, I don't know. Rittenhouse. Uh, why, why did I say Rittenhouse? I was going to call you out for that. I was going to be like, is that? I was going to say, there's no way a guy's the same name, but I didn't. Frankie watching too much CNN. Yeah, you, yeah you're damn right about that. A little little too much politics over the last month or so. But uh, no, that's funny. No, it's Clay, Clay Ratterman. Excuse me. He's going to think, what the hell's wrong with me? But yeah, there's a lot wrong with me, Clay. Um, but. No, so yeah, we interview, uh, interviewed Clay, and he was telling me, you know, what a guy Urban Meyer is and how he runs his system. And uh, listen, does Jacksonville have enough talent? I mean, yeah, they have Trevor Lawrence and what? I mean, they have a few pieces here and there. Uh, I don't know. I I think we need to give Urban a little bit more time, at least another year or so. But I, I know the cave's falling in for him, but. I mean, I'm I'm 99.9999999% in the boat with give him more time. I said the same thing about Sam. I, I preach it. But I don't know, man. I mean, with a guy like Urban, when you just, like, I, I don't understand. When you do the same thing now for, like, since you've got to the team, it's just character issue after character issue after thing that comes out after irresponsibility. Like, I feel like at some point, the non-football stuff because i don't necessarily disagree with you like i get some vibe that urban has some knowledge obviously at the football level but i just think the off the field stuff at a point comes to a head and you just have to call what it is and get a guy out of there because all you're doing is ruining the young talent on the roster yeah no yeah you have a point i mean he's he's also alienating his coaches we're bringing up urban meyer now because there was a a story came out that he called his assistants losers uh, and he's alienating players and coaches in that locker room. So that story broke earlier today. Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably over for him there. I, I think think with this, this is kind of this is like your this is like when you're pissed off uh, leaving a, a, a house party or something or someone's house and you freaking just punch a hole in the wall. Like you 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 know you're done. You're not going to be invited back there. But you just go out with a bang. I feel like this is like Urban's sort of like parting gift yeah <laughs> I, I, he'll, he'll be coaching though he'll be back in college football in, in a year or so I'll probably take a year off and then he'll he'll, he'll be back in the mix but you know I, I was just looking behind me and I just saw it and we have to bring it up because it, it just gave me like I, I've never in my life looked at something and had so much depression been injected into me but I see my Knicks jersey hanging behind me just sitting there on the handle bring it out Let's see it. I, I, I see this jersey. I look at this jersey. And I'm like, what is, is that it RJ? doing? This is a oh Julius Randle jersey. I look I at like the jersey like and I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on with the team. I don't know what's going on with Julius Randle. I am furious. <laughs> How do you lose to a Raptors team that is tanking for Chet? How does that happen? That isn't even have their best player on the floor. I am furious at the Knicks. I don't know how much you're into basketball. I don't know how much you saw the game last night, Frankie, but this has to change because what we saw last year, uh, inspired Knicks team, playing incredible defense, just winning hard, tough, close games. Where did that go? 
they're not playing good defense, man, like they were last year. They don't move the ball around, and they turn the ball over quite often. I mean, those are three recipes for failure. That's it. I mean, it's just they they don't play defense like they did. But I still have faith to an extent in the Tibbs and, and the pieces we have. I think if we can get back to playing tough, hard-nosed defense, and I think our weapons – can we can we can drip we can score randall can score barrett rose quickly fournier we have guys that can score burks uh, once we start scoring and playing defense again i could see us rattling off you know six to seven wins and then getting right in there in a playoff spot but where's this team going to go from here i mean that's a better question does this team have any uh resemblance or have any dna of a squad in the future that's going to be able to win a title i, I don't know uh, what's their fabric like we were talking about last week it's like what what are the new york knicks who are they i mean here and, and here's my issue with the team is that we start off five and one which means in the last 20 games we're seven and 13 which sucks and and the thing with me is you make the move to take kemba out of the starting lineup fine not only do you not move him to a lesser role put him to the bench you go okay we're gonna take a all-star caliber guard in the past and just get him out of the lineup like go from 100 to zero he's gone and, our, and the main reason we did that, or at least publicly, was because of defense and because we weren't playing the right style of basketball. Our defense got worse over those games without him. And I just don't understand what the play is. We have young guys on the bench in Obi Toppin who are giving us 19 and 10 in 23 minutes, and they don't get playing time. We, I, I cannot fathom a team where you'd rather play old vets like Taj Gibson over guys who you just drafted and who are showing out. Kevin Knox, I didn't even know he was still on the team. Like, what are we... Obviously, I did, but what are we doing? Like, I don't understand. Change something. So, I agree with you. I love Tibbs, and I'm not out on him. I'm just saying I'm seeing a very bad history building up of, like, small moves, like sending Kemba to the bench, not playing our young guys, like, small things, having worse defense, like, just very small things that are adding up in a list in my head that I'm like... I still believe in him, but this is adding up to a point where, like, maybe he's not the guy or, or maybe the system isn't going to work out unless we can get a trade. Now we're talking. Now we're at the negotiation table, my guy. But, um, yeah, that's something's going to have to happen. Um, we're going to have to make some sort of move. We have too many too many ISO scorers. It's that Sorry, simple, in my opinion. That's right. Yeah. Oh, we have too many ISO scorers. We got to get rid of one of them or a few. I mean, I don't. By the way, Mitch Robinson is an injury waiting to happen. So I don't understand if you're the GM of the New York Knicks, uh, if you're anyone with, with, with any relevance in that uh, front office, how are you not pitching a, a Mitch Robinson trade? Just trade Mitch Robinson, Kevin Knox, and a second-round pick. By the way, I saw a trade offer the other day, a, a mock trade that was – the worst trade I've ever seen in my life. So if the Knicks do this, I will literally start crying. Let me hear it. It's a Miles Turner trade. The Knicks trade Kemba Walker, Mitch Robinson, Kevin Knox, a second round pick and a first round pick, Charlotte. For Miles Turner? If you said just the second round pick, even maybe I would still say yeah. Yeah, that would be a little more manageable. But not a first also. like Because the way I look at that is Kemba's not a part of anything – and Miles Turner is objectively better than Mitch one for one, so I wouldn't hate that. And Kevin Knox obviously isn't part of anything. But, no, that trade would be terrible. Yeah, I, I'll splash me. I'm, I'm glad Splash just mentioned this. 
Mitchell Robinson last night is posting his plus six plus minus on his Instagram story impacted the game. Now, sure, he was plus six. We don't care, Mitch. Like, Knicks fans do not care about plus that. Plus six in a game that you lost by, that, by three, three points. What the yeah. hell does plus six mean? Like, it's not like and, you're plus six in a game you lost by 20. It's like. And also, Frankie, you mentioned something before, and I just think it's funny because I didn't impacted the game. Yeah, look at that. Look at that clown Instagram story. Wow, what a. What a baller. But also, I love Mitch, so I don't want to hate on him, but that was a clown move by him. But what you said before, I just it, it registered in my head when you said it, but I didn't think of it right away. The Knicks have an issue that I'm not sure I've seen a team have in the last time I can think of it. Like A few teams have played like this, but at their heart of their style, I don't know if I've seen a team like this. The Knicks' problem is they have too many isolation scorers but not one isolation score good enough. Like, we say they have too many isolation scores, you're right, but we still are missing the one guy to go get us a shot in the fourth quarter, the one guy to be the guy. So as funny as you say, like, you're right, we have too many isolation guys who aren't good enough to be the guy. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's just we don't have one isolation score that you're going to depend on uh, to take over a fourth quarter and drop, you know, 12 or something points in a fourth with a, with a big shot. But look at this clown right here, Mitch, Mitch Robinson, when he posted. And look at his numbers from last night's game. I mean, he goes on plus – he had four points, eight rebounds, okay, zero assists. He played 18 minutes. And it's not like he's the only one that had plus six. Obi was plus six. Rose was actually plus eight and quickly was plus – I mean – and they played all more minutes than you. So what are you proving? It's not like you were plus six and nobody else was was plus anything. Dude, this was really a game where I'm, I was looking at RJ because, he, and, and he's a player that's starting to get on my nerves more than anyone because he's one. he is probably my favorite player on the team right now. And, and, the, re, and I, the reason why he annoys me is because I hold him to such a high standard. But if you're showing us that you can hit seven of eight from three, be engaged on defense, get some assists in there too, and win a game for us, scoring 32, 35. But then on a night like tonight, you're only going to take, you're going to go 5 of 13 and do nothing? Like, that's unacceptable. Like, I can't take the highs of the highs in the lows of the lows. I'd rather have medium every night. Like, I, I'd be honest. I, I would rather a guy give me an average 14 to 16 points every night than have some guy give me 9 points and then 30 points every once in a while. Like, it, it's getting pretty frustrating. Yeah, I will say something you did say last week, Sonny, that actually ended up coming true was you're saying that uh, Mitch needs to uh, Mitch RJ needs to take more shots, take 20 shots in a night. He actually did, I think. I think a few nights later after our show, he actually took 20 shots yeah. against San Antonio. And look, he had a good game. He was seven of eight from three, like you were saying. He shot 55 percent from the field. He dropped 32, um, and he had five boards to go with it, and only two turnovers. So that's a, an incredible a, a, game, awesome game. That's the third yeah. overall pick material. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to take more. He seems a little, RG seems a little timid. No, sometimes I feel like he's, sometimes he's in it. Sometimes he's out of it. He doesn't really seem like he's always got his head on. Uh, he's like ready to play every night. I feel like some nights he's, he's sort of in and out. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I could say this and I don't want to say anything about RG's character, but a part of me almost feels like he's trying to act like the moment isn't too big for him. Not that it is, but like he's almost trying yeah. to act nonchalant. Like, oh yeah, I can play in New York on the biggest stage. Like this doesn't affect me. But that's kind of at the loss of showing some passion and showing some energy and maybe showing that it is a big stage. And that it's like, I understand that he has been very clear that he appreciates playing in the garden and for the Knicks. 
But I just think, I don't know, because I 100% agree with you. At times, it just feels like even, I don't want to say not engages the word, but just he doesn't seem as passionate visually, like just physically, like exuding the passion that you would want to see from a player, a young player his age. And there are times he does, let's be clear, like in his big games he does, but on nights where he's not having a good game, I feel like sometimes he lets that energy get a little loose. And that may go back to Julius Randle and this team having a true veteran leader that knows how to bring that energy every single night. I mean, you look at a guy like Giannis, who on his best night is going to give you 45 and 15, and on his worst night is going to walk into like 28 and 12 just because he's the hardest playing guy in the league. Yeah, no, you're spot on there, man. No, you're 100% spot on. We have a comment here that I uh, I just want to pop up there. Splash, you want to pop it up or I got it? I don't know if your wife is. There we go. This is Chris, Chris the GOAT. Uh, Nick's got a hit on a draft pick or sign a big free agent. Their talent is mediocre at best. Um, agree to an extent. I don't think their talent is mediocre, though. I don't think – I think they were pretty talented if you take, you know, Derrick Rose, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett quickly. Um, it's, it's a talented team. I mean, there's a reason why um, last year we made a little bit of a oh, – looked at as a team that could make a run in the playoffs i mean they're they're they have something um but they need to figure out how to mesh all these pieces together how do you get guys that um work within the scheme of this system that you're building and what is this system i think we don't yet know what the answer to that is and i think once that's established then um that we're gonna just be trying things and, and put bringing in players, but there is no system. Like when you go and play for, for example, if you go and play for the Lakers, you know, with LeBron James being there, you want to space the floor. You want to hit your open shots. And that's pretty much the system that LeBron brings with him. You go and play for the bucks. You know, you don't want to clog the lane for Giannis and keep pr- 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 pretty much a, a defensive minded team that can, limit the amount of possessions, but then get the ball to Giannis deep in games. Like certain teams just have certain structures that make sense. Golden State Warriors love picking and rolling. I mean, or, or pick, uh, stop and picks. I mean, like they, they pick for everyone. They set screens all over the place. So what are the Knicks trying to build? I mean, I, I obviously gave examples of the, you know, the three or four best teams in the league, but the Knicks just it doesn't make sense yet. It's here. Rose, here's the ball. Do what you want to do. Oh, Barrett, here's the ball. Do what you want to do. Randall. I mean – they're talented, these guys. I mean, how many teams do you have four or five players on their, on their squad that could drop 30 points? The Knicks legitimately have that. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, no, you're right. All those teams do have superstars. But you build a system, you bring superstars in. Or you, 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 you get a superstar and, and he, you know, he can attract talent. Um, Randall's the most improved player last year, by the way. So it's not like the guy is a bum. Um, yeah, not no, not at all. And and I do agree with Chris in a sense that, and also you, Frankie, in a sense that, um, as a team, you obviously do build around the superstar, and that's why we've been calling on Randall to improve so much, and why it's really honestly, uh, I, I don't want to say embarrassing from fans, but it's almost an insecurity from fans when they complain yeah. about Randall because of the fact that they want him to be the superstar. They want to be able to build the team off of Randall's back and RJ's back. So I'm with Chris that you have to build out a superstar, but I'm also with you, Frankie, that you you draft guys to be the superstar at the third overall pick. Like That is why you take an RJ Barrett. 
So you have to start to craft a system to allow that superstar to flourish. Like Steph didn't come into the league as the superstar. Steph came in, and the, yeah. after they got rid of Mark Jackson, Steve Kerr gave him a system to become the superstar he is. Not And Steph Curry is an incredible basketball player. But all these guys, they need the right system to fit in. He talked about it the other day on the podcast. If he would have taken the Knicks job in 2014-15 when he came into the league that first year, he said he would have been out in the two-year cycle, the same thing we see Fisdale, the same thing we see a lot of Knicks coaches go through. But he takes the Warriors job because of the talent, because of the superstar. And that's just how it works. Yeah, I mean, even you take a team like the Phoenix Suns, for example, or you take a team like the Utah Jazz or the Chicago Bulls. These are all teams that are top two or three in their in their conference. They don't necessarily have a, a quote-unquote superstar, <clears throat> but they have a good system. And you have a, a, a plethora of, of guys that can at least score 25 to 30 points um, and put them in good positions to win. And then maybe you'll have, as as Sonny's saying, maybe you'll have someone like R.J. Barrett in two or three years sort of, you know, take his wings out and fly like Giannis did with Milwaukee. So um, I, I'm sorry to cut you up here, but we, we got some breaking news here from the man himself. Uh, let's, let's bring Nick in here. I think we got him on audio only. What's up, Nick? How you been? What's, what's going on, guys? Good. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. Thank cool, you, Dank. What it do? What's up, boys? I'm hearing the Knicks whining and RJ Barrett hope still going along. So I want to <laughs> do want to interrupt. Oh, but uh, <clears throat> recently spoke with a, a source about um, head coaching and uh, GM openings for this upcoming offseason. And uh, last week they told me that it's a good bet that the Jaguars job was going to become open. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't believe it too much, but, uh, it sounds like that could happen before the season. Um, Urban Meyer could be let go any week now, uh, in Jacksonville. Um, there was a report out earlier about basically how the player's relationship with him is, you know, irreparable. They can't kind of, no, no one seems to get along with Meyer and he's alienated his coaching staff. Um, and it looks like. Uh, either Charlie Strong, who's on the staff, or Daryl Bevel, who's the uh, offense coordinator play caller, could take over as uh, interim head coach. So it looks like any week now, Urban Meyer might let go, but be let go. But it's going to be a, a one and done for him in Jacksonville. Nick, what was the uh, timeline on this? I mean, can you go through how this, uh, how the house of cards started falling down for the Jaguars? I mean, what's the kind of the, the situation there? If you just want to give people some Yeah, so it, it got that. off to a bit of a rocky start. Um, you know, Urban Meyer was, I don't want to say questioned, you know, I guess his, you know, his resume in college can't be questioned for sure. Right. He's one of the best, uh, college coaches in, in the history of the game, but there was a lot of worry within the locker room before he came in, um, that a, would he, is he taking this job seriously? B, how long is he going to be here? Is he the right guy to take a very young team with a ton of picks and a ton of cap space and Trevor Lawrence and, and, you know, drive this thing for the next half a decade to a decade. Right. Cause you know, that's, that's what you look for when you hire a coach is you want this guy to be here for the next decade. Um, and a lot of people in Jacksonville didn't see urban Meyer as a guy who was going to stick around for that long. You know, it was more of a two to four, three to five year window. Um, maybe depending on health, obviously his health was, has been in question, but um, so it never really kind of, you know, sat well with a lot of people in Jacksonville. And, um, you know, obviously they gave him the, the chance to do something um, and kind of prove his his worth there. Uh, but 
nothing's come out of it and it's gotten worse since. So there's been a lot of negative uh, reaction from the, from the team, uh, the coaching staff and urban Meyer that, that has, that relationship hasn't gone well. Um, so right now it just seems to be that urban's really on his own Island out there has been kind of coaching and doing his own thing while uh, the staff around him has been preparing basically to be a one and done. So you have guys like Daryl Bevel again, Charlie strong, Brian Schottenheimer, these guys are all saying, well, shit, I'm not going to be here next year. You know, well, what am I doing? They're already looking for the next opportunity. So Bevel might be a guy who, uh, you know, if, if Meyer, quote unquote, steps down or if they move on from him before the season, maybe to kind of get a head start on the, uh, the coaching cycle, um, Bevel might get that opportunity to uh, coach the team the rest of the year. Interesting, interesting. I, I don't know. I mean, I- I didn't understand the signing to begin with. I'm, I'll be honest. I did want Urban Meyer uh, for the Jets job uh, about a year ago. So I'll, I'll say that. Um, but, I mean, listen, at that point, we wanted anybody, didn't we? <laughs> we didn't care. I want a freaking Nick Spano to be the uh, – uh, I the always wanted Jim Harbaugh, coach. man. Yeah. No, Harbaugh would have been good. Um, yeah. at, don't at don't count out Harbaugh. I know he's had – you know, one coach of the year, and he's got Michigan in the playoffs, but don't count out Harbaugh for Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that, too. So that's, that would uh, be fun. You know, he, he's always got his, uh, you know, he's always got his uh, blinders open for, you know, always looking at the next big hire. And, you know, that Raider job is uh, one of the big ones, obviously one of the most historic franchises. So, um, you know, he's not going to go – Harbaugh is not going to leave Michigan and coach Jacksonville. You know, he's going to go somewhere like – you know, he's always had interest in the Dolphin job because, you know, his family lives out there. And, um, you know, it's a very, you know, the, uh, Stephen Ross is an owner who's willing to uh, hand off a lot of the reins to a coach like Harbaugh and would pay him through the roof, obviously. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> Harbaugh's always looking and obviously the Raiders will be looking to, to make a splash after what happened with Gruden. So that's a potential. Um, and then that giant job is... If that opens up, and I know Sonny, if your if your dad had his his vote, that job would be open in a couple of weeks too. So um, something to watch for sure with Harbaugh, but not for Jacksonville for sure. Jacksonville will probably have to go the coordinator route after this. For sure, for sure. And I know it was also linked that maybe Dabo could be going to Vegas and some other things he was seen wearing the Las Vegas gear on the sideline. Yeah. So why not Dabo in Jacksonville? They probably won't go the college route again, but that's uh, Trevor's old guy. I hear Adam yeah. Gase is uh, is inquiring about the, <laughs> uh, about the Jacksonville job. I honestly miss Adam Gase, man. I, I just miss seeing him. I miss the press conferences and the post games and stuff. I wonder where he's if he's ever going to coach in the league again. <laughs> he's coaching at a high school. Remember that meme, that fake meme that came out. <laughs> but um, all right, Nick. What else you got for us? What do you? All right, let's let's get let's get to some Jets talk right now, and then we got a. Nick's going to talk to us about a little sponsorship promo we got going on. But, uh, Nick, Jets, Saints, I, I, need, I, need, I, need, I need a score prediction right now. Uh, Saints will probably drop 30 on them. I don't see the Jets stopping <laughs> with a fresh Kamara and uh, Taysom Hill, you know, running that. I don't think was it a wing T offense. I don't even know what they call it. But, <laughs> um, they'll probably run for 200-plus yards. And, um, <clears throat> you know, the, it, it'll be a good test for – I don't know if Cameron Jordan, Cam Jordan's playing. They're they're at Drusher. You know he's a really really good player, um, so that'll help. I know he was on the COVID list, but um, it's all about Zach, right? You know you want to see Elijah Moore out there. He's he's a budding superstar. He's got 
the most touched receiving touchdowns in football since week nine. So the last five weeks, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, so it's really, it's all about that. You want to get Michael Carter back. I doubt you'll see Beckton the rest of the year, but you know, you want to see the young guys continue to, to make strides and that's what it's, that's what it's been about. But, um, the defense needs a ton of help and, you know, they need to, uh, add another playmaker or two and keep going with that offensive line. Um, no, I know it's been a, you know, look, they're three and nine. You can't, can't be too happy, but you know, it's the, the year is about development and, and they've been in, you know, probably the past, what, since that Colts game that kind of got out of yeah. hand, they've been more competitive the past few weeks. So that, that's good. Um, so, you know, you hope to, you know, you're in the same situation we've been kind of the past five years with, well, three with Darnold. And now this is you want to see the quarterback take that next leap. So, uh, Zach was good in the first half last week. Didn't I think they only had three possessions in the in the second half because they couldn't get get any get off the field on defense. So, um, you know, you want to see a complete game from him because he's shown you in in quarters or four, three, four, five drives in a row that he can play, um, but he hasn't been able to put a solid four quarters together. So that's that's got to be the next step for him. And um, obviously Elijah Moore, who knows about Denzel Mims. He kind of just looks like he's going to fade away and be off the team next year at this point. But, um, you know, you want to see the young players, but I, I think the saints will win. They, you know, they kind of are still in the hunt. So they need the game. Uh, I'll say like 31, 20. Um, and what was the other, Nick, I, I, have, I have a better question for you. I'll right. ask you this. All right. If you, if you had to pick one or the other, who will be more successful with the New York Jets? Robert Sala or Zach Wilson? If you had to pick, if you had to put faith in one of the of one of them, who are you? They're uh, kind of combined role? at the hip, aren't they? Yeah, at this point, absolutely. But if you, you had know, to say, if, like, if Zach do doesn't have, do well, yeah. Salas and Douglas are probably gone, um, unless unless they go the route of getting a, a veteran quarterback. After, let's say Wilson doesn't do anything next year. Um, but the defense is playing better and the rest of the team, you know, it's obvious that the quarterback is holding them back. You know, maybe then they go the veteran route. They try and get like a Kirk Cousins from Minnesota after next year or like, I don't even know, a veteran. I do not, want, I do not want Kirk Cousins. Man. I, I'm just saying a guy like, like that, him, please. you know, someone who's he's not, he's not a bad quarterback. I yeah. Just, someone who's not, not an Andy Dalton, you know, but yeah. somebody who can actually play. Um, if I had a gun to my head, I would probably say Salah. Really? Yeah, just because it takes so much to it takes so much to to be a successful quarterback with the Jets. Like you're you're relying on so much more. There's so many more obstacles in his way. All Salah really has to do is get the defense to like I don't want to say Rex Ryan level because you know look at look at Rex. He was more successful here than Sanchez a little bit. You know he lasted a little bit longer, but you no, know, they're they're both kind of combined. But if I had to answer. I'd probably say solid just because I think it's a little bit easier, you know, for him to get the defense, um, you know, playing better than what are they 31st in the league this year? Yeah, man. I can't believe they've, they've been awful the last three or four weeks. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, man. I disagree with you there. I think I, I'd put more faith in Zach Wilson moving forward than Salah. I'm not, Salah hasn't really done anything for me this year that, um, I've, I've found to be, you know, uh, a really good move or like anything. In, yeah. Uh, in, I, I like think with inspiring Salah, or something, you can tell I, what has he done? Yeah. No, I, as a whole, it looks bad. Right. And, and, you know, he's, he, he's a very, um, what's the word? You know, he's a loyal guy. Right. So he's not this is the throw. thing though, Nick, not to cut you off, but this is what I want to say. 
if you're a defensive coordinator, which he was in San Francisco, what is to say that you're ready to become an NFL head coach? I think we need to stop thinking that coordinators can become head coaches. It's two completely different um, skill sets. Yeah, A coach is a CEO of a team. They have to make sure that players are playing hard and listening to the coaches and the coordinators and the coaches are devising good game plans and schemes. That's their job. They're not scheming and game planning necessarily. They're just making sure that the people in those positions are doing it and the players are listening and playing inspired. When you're a coordinator, you're not really doing the same. You don't really have to necessarily motivate your guys all the time. You don't have to um, – you know, make sure that the offense is playing well or, or is operating. You just have to put together a game plan with plays and executions and make sure that the players are in the right spots to make plays. It's too compl- – like, I don't understand when we when we, when people bring in these, these coordinators, like, oh, he was a great defensive coordinator. Why don't the Jets have a great defense? Because he's not the defensive coordinator of the Jets. He's the head coach. Like, people don't understand that. And I, and I think a lot of times – um, it goes just over, I don't know, fans' heads thinking that, you know, a guy who's a great coordinator, defensive or offensive coordinator, is automatically going to become a, a, a great head coach, or at least their offense, if they were an offensive coordinator, will be like, you know, at a, like an elite-esque level, and it just won't. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, for sure. And and so Salah hasn't been calling the defensive plays for the Jets. That's been um, Albrecht, the... Uh the defensive coordinator and, and, you know, the, the, he's taken Salah has taken a lot of heat for not kind of, you know, taking over, I guess you can say. And, you know, maybe Salah is a little bit too loyal by default, you know, so maybe he'll learn that in his year two or three. And um, maybe he has to get a guy like um, Vic Fangio in the off season as a defensive coordinator. You know, if he wants to be hands off and be the CEO kind of overseer of everything, which, that's the most successful coaches. That's what they do is, you know, they're able to allow their coaches to coach. Right. You know, so, and on game day, he's kind of, you know, making sure everything else is, is working and, you know, in-game management, time management, et cetera. Um, I think solid does a good job of in-game, you know, I know it's a, (laughs) it's kind of an easy, you know, it's not nothing to write home about, but we've seen Todd Bowles and Adam Gase and we've seen how that has gone. I think Salah does a better job in game than these other guys do, and I think Salah should get credit for being a a, a developer or a coach. You know, he's a, he's a teacher. So you've seen some young players start to bud. You know, Quincy Williams out of nowhere, he's turned into a solid player. I know he kind of plays with his hair on fire, and he misses a lot of assignments, and you know, he's still got a ways to go. But Bryce Hall. Um, some of the younger players, obviously on offense, I don't give them too much credit for that. But you've seen no, some of, course, of these Elijah players. Elijah Moore is are... playing while Michael Carter. I'm sorry to him. interrupt. Yeah. Elijah Moore actually just breaking news. Just got placed on injured reserve. Speaking wow. of Elijah Moore, oh my lord, like two yes, minutes ago. Yes, luck. <laughs> so, yeah. what, what's that. the injury? I don't even know. Connor Hughes breaking the Jets, replacing Elijah Moore on injured reserve. <sighs> I'm sick. Like, Denzel Mims season, baby. Denzel like, Mims season. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, not much to watch for on Sunday now. So it might be what thirty-one ten instead of thirty-one twenty. Thirty-one yeah. three, Nick. Yeah, might be. <laughs> um, but Forty-two yeah, I mean, nothing. Yeah, dude. I wouldn't. Who, who's gonna Who's gonna make plays on offense? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so t- Tyler Croft. 
He's out. He's been out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, they got a long they got a long ways to go. They have a lot of picks in the in the draft that you know. Look, Douglas had, Douglas. If you look at his draft, man, he he had a really solid draft this year. Um, he needs to do it again because this this roster is really really you know in dire need of talent everywhere you know it's not just one position so um they're they're still a ways away but you know we we knew it was going to be a rough year you just wish kind of some of these young players like elijah moore and like becton and like michael carter wouldn't get hurt and they played the full 16 game or 17 um but you know we'll see you got what five games left now so um it's really on wilson to to show what he's got but, you know, I, I, what I do like, and you know, I know a lot of people, and, and myself included, was hard on LaFleur's system and kind of his uh, use of personnel at, at the beginning of the year. I, I really like the offensive system. So um, we'll, we'll see how they can kind of fill it with talent. But um, it's it's been a rough decade <laughs> for this team. So hopefully sooner than later, they'll be a little more competitive. All right, Nick, we got to talk about a partner of ours, MyBookie. They just uh, launched their odds, updated odds for tomorrow's game. So let's throw them up here and we'll talk a little bit about them. We could uh, uh, splash if you want to take off the thirds up here. All right, so Nick, Jets, Saints. I actually want to put money on this. I want to put money on the Saints. Definitely. Freaking Saints are five and a half point favorites. That's it? That that's pretty easy money. How are the Jets even the money lines plus one ninety five? What they bro? They they don't want people making money off this. What is happening? What? I think Vegas knows how bad Taysom Hill is. <laughs> um, don't talk about my guy. Don't like talk that. about my. I'm about to say the same thing. Oh don't talk, Mister Video is, Game uh, himself. Nick, you garbage. hate every Saints quarterback. You hated Drew Brees. I don't. Hate you hated Jameis Winston. You Drew hate Taysom. God compared to these guys. <laughs> James Winston's terrible. <laughs> what are we doing here? I agree with that. Fun to watch don't talk that. about Taysom Hill like that. Oh, my God, Taysom Hill. <laughs> uh, all right, so we have right now. All right, so my bookie right now, if I want to put a bet on uh, the Saints, I just go here. You could do parlays, which is pretty cool. So what I do, that's something I do like about them is how simple the platform is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I could just do a bet slip. I can parlay it or I can do them individually. It's just such a simple platform, mm-hmm. and they've they've done a really good job with it. Um, we've had other partners in the past, like BetUS and um, uh, some other books that we've worked with. And my book is just super clean and, and simple to use. I lost my freaking Steelers bet because freaking Fryermuth couldn't catch the ball at the end. And I'm going to lose my over bet with them, too, for eight and a half <laughs> wins. But, um, yeah, so – the link to play with my bookie, and you if you have any questions, you can always DM us, but it's mybookie.website slash bet with you stadium. Again, that's mybookie.website slash bet with you stadium. Uh, you can set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit. There's a minimum deposit of $45. And when using the promo code UStadium, all caps at MyBookie, that promo code will get you access to double your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000. MyBookie, bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie. And if you really want to win money, hit up Frankie Vitz all over <laughs> social media because I got Dude. them picks for you, bro. Do not. Well, well said. I didn't even have to say anything. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, the – the platform is very easy to use the parlays. I know I'm not a, I'm not a big parlay guy. Um, but you know, if that's your, 
if that's your cup of tea, um, it's very easy to kind of go and sift through that, which is something that people in the past have complained about other platforms. Um, and they're doing a, a, a plus, odds boost on the uh, UFC fight tonight. Um, so that's another cool one. You can get in there, deposit 45, deposit 100, whatever you want to do. Get that doubled and throw it on the plus 150. And um, we'll throw those all up on our, our social, the U Stadium accounts. And um, you know, have yourself a little bit more Christmas money for sure. Yes, sir. Got every sport in there. They let you buy points, which is cool, too. So yep. any of those advanced betters out there that want to change the spreads on your teams and finesse the system a little bit, they let you do that. So uh, just a great website. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, boys. I'll, I'll hop on next week for sure. And uh, Frank, doing a good job of holding down the fort for uh, snacks while he's gone. I said I'm the better defensive tackle. So, yeah. you know, it's <laughs> I want to make sure. use him. <laughs> and I want to make sure we just take a second here to, to, to give our prayers and shout out to Demarius Thomas and his family. Jeez. It's just horrible hearing the passing of that. And he's such an incredible guy on the field and off the field. It seemed like everyone loved him and just such a terrible thing to see another young receiver go down at such an early age. And it just, it's really terrible to see. Like, it just breaks my heart. I woke up to terrible news the other day and just I'm going to make sure to give a shout out to him and uh, all he did because he, he definitely deserves to be shouted out. Yeah, for sure. Well said, man. Yeah. So just want to make sure we got that. All right, Nick, we're going to let you go here. Well, thanks for coming on. All right. So we uh, we talk with Crispy and shout outs to to the chat. We see some people coming in. We have Chris in there. We have Sam. We have other Chris in there. Got some peeps rolling up. Um, So, yeah, we just got injury injury news that Zion is shut down from basketball activity. What the hell is going on with that guy? Dude, he that guy is, is it really a, a weight problem? Um, is is I mean so, is that uh, so I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you what's going on with Zion. So what they just said in the Woj article is that the, the right foot the, sorry, the right bone on his foot that did not heal properly from surgery he got last season, they said. So they're stopping his rehab process and they're they're ramping it down. So to me, I wouldn't say it is a weight problem. The problem is the injury forcing him to not be able to lose the weight, if that makes sense. So, but I mean, when you talk about Zion, I mean, I'm starting to get scared. Let's call it what it is. Greg Oden played 85 games over his first three seasons. This is Zion's third season right now, and he has played 82 games, and he just stopped the rehab process, what, 25 games into the season? So it's not looking good for him. Like, unless he plays three games a season, he'll have played less games than Greg Oden did his first three seasons which is not a good company to be in as a guy who is seen as a generational draft pick, did things at Duke that I've never seen humans do before. And it's just so upsetting with him. But I don't know how they find themselves in this situation. I mean, they trade down out of drafting Darius Garland two years ago. And they just the, the decisions they've made, letting go of Lonzo Ball, trying to bring in Devontae Graham. I'm just not a fan of the Pelicans. I'm not a fan of David Griffin. And I love Zion and Brandon Ingram. And it actually brings me shame that they're in the position they are right now. Yeah, this is really uh, unfortunate news because I was looking forward to watching Zion play this season. I think we all are. He brings a spark to the game that I think uh, we all appreciate as, as sports fans. So... Uh, I hope I hope he can handle this weight stuff. I mean, it's tough being heavy in the NBA. We've seen it with a lot of players in the past. Eric Coleman, a couple guys that just you know just ring off the top of my head. But it's tough. Shaq towards the end of his career couldn't really stay on the team. He was bouncing around like a pinball. Um, and you know you need to stay in shape. It's a, it's it's eighty two games. It's it, you have to be light on your feet. It, you know injuries come about often in the NBA if you don't take care of the weight thing. So. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Zion, though. I, I don't know. I mean, yesterday on Twitter, I was kind of scrolling up and down it, and there was people that were posting pictures saying that Zion wasn't isn't actually overweight because they took a picture with him and he looked skinny. And then there was ones that he was overweight. I'm like, I don't know what to believe anymore. Some photos of him have been photoshopped. At the end of the day, he's put a lot of abuse on those legs, though. I mean, he kid's been dunking since he was freaking in, I feel like a freshman in high school. He's been out there doing his thing. So uh, I don't know how much can his, you know, how much can his limbs take? If he gets a bad injury, that's something to really be uh, on the lookout for. I mean, if he if he tears an ACL or does sprains an MCL or do, does something, how long is it going to take him to recover from this? given you know his weight and the amount of impact he's put on his legs throughout the throughout his career so i mean i just hope he can come back before the season man such yeah. a terrible player let's do that trade for zion what, what what was we got mitch robinson rj barrett kemba Kevin. walker a first round pick a second round pick throw him another second rounder we'll throw you yeah, kevin knox man. too for 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 free <laughs> i think it's time for my rant I think it's time for my rant on the MLB lockout. Are you ready for it? Yeah, it's all you, bro. All right. I'm in the background. All right. Let me make something clear here. And this goes for all sports. All sports leagues that have any sort of collective bargaining agreement between the players, the owners, and the league. The fact that this has the possibility of taking more than a month at the longest is pissing me off. This is not a business merger between two companies where we're agreeing on little legalities. This is baseball. Figure it out. Have the players tell them how much they want to be paid. Have the owners tell them how much they want to give out. Figure out a compromise and play baseball. Like I can't express enough how much this is about getting the guys on the field and getting the games played. Everyone makes it seem about everything else, literally. How much time is on contracts? How much time guys spend in the majors? How much time guys can make in the minors? All these different things. When it's just about playing baseball, like, I understand the complexity. You don't have to tell me how many little things there are. I truly understand. But with every single person working around the clock to solve this, this should not take more than a month. I feel like I'm being very fair. A 30 days is more than enough time for you to compromise with the same owners that you've played for for 10 years and figure out a way to go moving forward. I don't know what it is gonna be, that's not my job, but I don't know if you guys think I'm crazy. I, I just think they have to figure this out before it gets to a problem. Like, let these guys sign contracts and let these guys get back with the team so they can practice going into next year. It only makes the product on the field better and I, it's so mind boggling to me that that's not how everyone feels about the issue. Church to you, brother. Sunday, Sunday came early with you right there. You're preaching over there, dude. But sorry, um, I, I didn't see that. No, it's true, man. Baseball's like uh, that's something that baseball really uh, needs to get done. Yes, we're we're saying splash Sunday. That's something that uh, that baseball really needs to uh, address, and, and and this needs to get done. But they need to address a lot of the just. I don't know the organization, the way the leagues run, the way that the uh, collective bargaining agreements developed. It's just not done right. They need to figure out how to make that league uh, just more consistent in terms of delivering a product to fans. It's just there's always hiccups and weirdness and issues and ownership problems. It's crazy. So it's, it never changes in baseball. Honestly, it's not run well. I, I don't remember if I mentioned it on the last show we did, but. 
the fact that an astrophysicist, an independent astrophysicist, <laughs> did studies on baseballs in the MLB and approached the league and said, are you guys using two different balls and didn't announce it? And they admitted to it, to using two different balls. Like, figure that out. Like, how is that a thing? It's a professional sports league. This is not middle school chess. Like, we're not just bending rules, letting people in. Like, figure out what's going on. Like, baseball is the most corrupt sports league, not even close. Like, the, there's so much going on behind the scenes from the Astro scandal to everything else. Like, I'm literally speechless. And Pete Alonso said it a few years ago. That... I cannot wait for that documentary to come out because if it's true that they have been changing the balls in markets that are either hitter heavy and making the balls harder to hit Crazy. or in pitching heavy free markets or free agent markets making it easier to hit to literally affect the cost that these players are bringing home to their families like that's got to change like, that's crazy it's nuts man it's nuts it's not going to change unless th this 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 commissioner manfred or whatever he's terrible so baseball, if they want to start moving ahead, they need to really figure out who's going to run the league and they need someone. I'm not a big fan of the person, but I think what Roger Goodell's done with the NFL, I think he's done a very good job. So I think baseball needs a commissioner that's a little more objective in how they like to deliver their product and, and less about, you know, the emotional responses behind it. So, um, but yeah, that's uh Manfred's just not the right guy for, for, for the MLB. I, th I think that's quite clear at this moment. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, uh, yeah, 100%. All right, well, Frank, this was amazing. Uh, you were watching U Stadium, Snacks and Sunny. Snacks are not here once again, but don't worry. He's still part of the show, and we're going to figure out uh, how to get him involved here in a few more weeks or just figure stuff on the back end. But it's all good. Frankie stepping in there, taking care of business, and uh, hey. we'll keep getting these to you every Saturday, baby. So yeah, right, if you are watching, once again, this is U Stadium. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe on all the platforms. We got pretty much everything out there, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, whatever you think of. They post the best takes. My friends all follow the account. They tell me, bro, since when you start working with U Stadium, they have the best things. They post all the craziest props. They always got the stats and the descriptions on Instagram, so you don't have to go anywhere else. It's a great page to follow, and you'll see more content like this. So just be on the lookout for U Stadium. And uh, Frankie, I appreciate you. We got Splash behind the scenes, too. He's the one that runs everything here. So let's make sure to give him a nice little shout-out. Appreciate what you do, Splash. And uh, hope everyone's out there having a great Saturday, a great weekend. And, uh, yeah, and yeah, also make sure that we do post the podcast, all the podcasts on Spotify and Apple as well, or however you get your podcasts. So uh, be sure to look out for that, too. And, yeah, just uh, be good. Enjoy some sports. We got a Warriors game tonight. We got some great stuff coming up. Uh, obviously, a fun day of football tomorrow. So Nick, Knicks are waxing the Bucks tomorrow night, by the way, or tomorrow. I think during during the day. Bet bet the Knicks, baby. We're gonna be like twenty point underdogs. Bet them anyway. Don't do it. Don't do it. Save your money. Have a great weekend. All right, fellas. I'll see you later.